Hey there, I'm Jo, and this is Looking Outside. Join me and some of the most influential and original thinkers in business and beyond as we explore fresh takes on familiar topics. Hey, listeners. Today, we are going back into the world of innovation, talking about how you can and should move at pace on creating great ideas without the BS. So to talk about this today, I'm joined by the one and only Lars Berent. Did I say that right? No. <laughs> how much How much did I butcher that? <laughs> no, it, it, it doesn't matter. And if, if, if you, you know, spell it correctly in German, it would say Berent, but nobody in, you know, Berent. from... Berent. 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 Is that better? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Lars. Thank you so much for coming on. Can you give us a little bit of an intro about who you are? Who is Lars? You know, actually, I'm just an engineer. <laughs> That's pretty much it. So, and and then things somehow escalated. And now, <laughs> you know, there's at, at the moment, I have around like 10 million views per week with our content. And it's it's all about engineering and innovation and creativity and stuff like this. It, but actually, I'm just an engineer. That's it. Okay. So you, okay. So 10 million views. So that's through the, the podcast also, yeah. and your LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, we're doing a German podcast because, you know, actually it's just crazy because, you know, I'm a German native speaker, right? And I'm so much more funny and intelligent when I'm speaking my native English. So we decided to go give it a go in, in German when everybody's asking, can't you do it in English too? And say, yeah, probably. But there's that's and, and then we we use a very heavy language in German. And then, you know, I don't even know where I can do it in English, but but that's probably part of the uh, the success because the success uh, of our podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. we got banned twice from from the Apple platform. Yeah, because over heavy language, and now we got these explicit lyrics sticker. You like like a rapper, you know? <laughs> mm, explicit content, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and actually, yeah, we've been a few times in in Germany. We've been in um, yeah place number one with our podcast, and it's it's crazy because we we just you know we're talking like everybody else is talking, but we're not we're yeah. not doing it in this business style. We just you know straight talk, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so the podcast is the Boiler Room podcast. For anyone that speaks German, you can check it out. And for everybody else, when are you doing an English version? Yeah, everybody's asking for that. And the, the crazy thing is, you know, the guy I'm doing that with, you know, it, um, he's like 50-50. He lives in, in Germany 50% of 50% of the time. He lives in LA and he's very, very good in English, but, you know, way better than I am. And um, it's called Boiler Room because, you know, he's coming from a sales perspective. And I, and I always hated it when people call me, like salespeople call me, right? And then, and then you know, these annoying calls and, you know, I'm here, I want to blah, blah, blah. And, and we, we were fighting on social media and we said, hey, come on, let's, let's do a show with that shit, right? So, so <laughs> that was the basic idea behind. Yeah, and, and now that, that's the reason because we, we were saying we're going to boil each other, right? Like on, on very hot topics and stuff. And yeah, today... Um, I don't know. There, there will be probably some some English version, but I, I really don't know if I could do it on the same level as in the German. I, I really don't know. We, we would see. Mm, we, we'll give it a okay. try. <laughs> yeah, I think you should. Uh, I would definitely take a listen. So um, maybe let's go back one step on who Lars is. So keynote speaker, best-selling author, CEO of Granny and Smith, and obviously famous podcaster <laughs> of the Boiler Room podcast. So 
how did you get to where you are today from starting off as being an engineer? What kind of engineer are you? You know, it, I'm pretty old. Back in the days when I, when I studied, there was just these um, mechanical engineering. That was the only thing you could do, right? So I'm actually, I'm a mechanical engineer now. And when I studied, I, I asked, you know, I heard so much about innovation. Can't, can't I, you know, do something in this area? And I was the very first guy on, on, in, uh, at that university that was allowed to do that. I was the first guy allowed to do that. So, so actually, I'm really an innovation engineer. So I, I you know, <laughs> was crazy. Uh, and from <laughs> there on, you know, I really loved to develop new products, new services, bring it to market and, and, and you know, see things progressing and stuff and, and helping other people. And that's, you know, what I do for a living right now. So, and, and you know, back in the days, we were totally unknown, right? And then and, and, uh, we had lots of struggle going on. I'm doing it now for 15 years, right? And um, we've been working with the big companies like IBM and everything, like BMW, Volkswagen and stuff like this. And we always had a problem that then, you know, when we, we, we tried to, convince people that, you know, it's a good idea to innovate, you know, it was always like discussion going on, like, yeah, I don't know, I don't believe in this, you know, probably should blah, blah, blah. And, and, and at some point, you get so annoyed by that, <laughs> that you finally decide, we have to do something different, right? And people love to listen to authorities, right? And I ask myself, okay, what's so different with these authorities? I mean, like, why, why can't I become <laughs> by myself, right? <laughs> and, and, and actually, I, I re-engineered that. That it was a, it was a plan. It was you know I, I wrote a book. I uh, because you know if if you write a book, you of course you're an you're an author and stuff. And if if you produce content on a daily basis and videos, and you're you're getting more uh, authenticity, um, the more people see your uh, your videos, they the more they get somehow connected, and. Actually, it was all a plan, and I'm, and that's what I meant. But by you know, I'm still just an engineer, you know. But I, I love to innovate, but I really don't love to. We had so much rejection; you won't believe it. You really won't believe it. It was always rejection, 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 and and now it 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 changed because people ah, this is this guy you from, from Germany, and and he already knows how to do stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, your that, your engagement online is is huge, so. Yeah. And did, did that happen like quicker than what you had thought is building that kind of influencer brand or did it take a, a little while? Because the podcast has no, only I, been live actually, for like no, a year. I, I, no, it's, 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 it, it goes exactly as I planned. It, hmm. it's, it's, yeah, you know, I, I estimated something around three years probably. And I knew writing a book is really a pain in the ass. I re, I, re, I knew I knew it up front. And I, re, I, I wrote that book on my own and I'm, I'm really not good at writing. And, but by doing that on a daily basis, you get better and better. And um, then, you know, because I know all the marketing tricks, because we, we are we are doing it on, you know, as professionals, uh, somehow I managed uh, and this book became a number one bestseller. Of mm -hmm. course, I, I knew which, you know, which button to press to to, to do that. And and the same is going on with, with, with LinkedIn. You know, if you do it on a, on a constant, regular basis, daily Daily, 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 as you know, then you're getting more and more traction. And, and, and someday, you know, people reach out to you and I, I don't know, I can't translate it in, in, in English, but they, and someday they behave different, right? Back in the days, I was just a service provider, just, you know, some guy that, some engineer. And today, you know, people really feel honored and that, that they're allowed to talk to me and stuff. And, and, but, you know, 
within. I'm, I'm still the same guy. I'm still an engineer. I mean, and that's how I found you. And I was one of those people that awkwardly reached out. I was like, hey, can we get some time? I'd love to just have a conversation with you because yeah. obviously what LinkedIn and what the whole influencer strategy that you have has done for you also is raised awareness about your credibility, about what you do as a company. Yeah. So how do you make sure that you don't turn into just being like that guy that posts, you know, funny stuff or that posts irreverent stuff and you keep your credibility? Totally get it because I really hated these guys. I also hated guys standing on stage talking about topics that really have no idea, you know. It's the same goes on. The the reason why I wrote this book was because I read all the books about animation and most of it is really, if you actually do it as a job, it's total crap. It's really, it's total crap in there. And none of these books really helped us. And we tried all these methods out there and everything. And we're getting more and more frustrated, right? And then that, I, I, why isn't there a book from someone who's doing it by a living, you know, or for a living? And so I decided to do that. So that, that's the real backstory behind. And the thing was on with, with all the, the, you know, the LinkedIn and funny stuff. It's actually because, you know, if you do innovation on a very serious way and you have like 10,000 failures, you will probably end up uh, with a mental illness. <laughs> so you, you you need some sort of humor to going all the, mm-hmm. through all these failures, and actually people kind of love it. So so why not going that direction? And of course, you know when when I'm standing on stage, I'm, I, I'm also I'm not just funny or something, but I can really give insights on how you can develop innovation in a much better way than than everything out there. You know, so so that it is how you say that uh, it's fact-based or, or uh, I don't know, the, you know, I've, I've done like, yeah, I've done like 650 projects or something in that, in that area, like uh, in, the, in the last 20 years. So, you know, so, I, but what I found out is like, I, I saw so much projects failing, right? So and this, this was the biggest struggle. And I talked to, to you know, like corporate in, um, innovators and they're always telling me the same story. They're basically, they're totally motivated. But, uh, you know, they struggle with decision-making, they struggle with budget, they struggle with rejection, all that stuff. And then it has become my mission that we have to change that so that we, you know, I always say like that innovation doesn't have to cost millions and take years. So, and, and then we developed this, this radical program with, uh, where we can develop like new products within a week and bring it to the market. And I know people always tell me, it is crazy, you can't do that. But then we just do it and <laughs> it works, right? Yeah. Nice. And so when you say it works, what is the, the standard sort of measure of success? Is it like how long it stays in the market it's or say, consumer it's, feedback? It's, say it's nothing else. You know, mm-hmm. doing it for 15 years and, you know, you all these other KPIs that you always are there, you can completely forget, forget about them because nobody cares. Nobody cares. If you're working for a big corporate, it's sales. End of story. Really, mm-hmm. you, have a, you have a new idea and and and, and you want to bring it to a market. And you know you have got to invest into production lines like ten million or something. The decision maker wants to know a hundred percent sure. Does this really work out? And are we on the right path? And that's a problem with innovation because most of the times you you can't answer that. You know you you have some vague idea of the product vision and you talk for it to the decision maker. And he probably gets it, but he, he never knows it. Yeah, okay, but is this, is this proven, you know? And therefore we develop a different approach so that before we start with that building the real product, we do our one week testing approach. 
And for a normal customer out there, it looks like the product is already there. It looks like this is the market leading storytelling product with a, you know, actually it's like high res renderings and stuff. But for a normal customer, they can't see the difference. And then they hit the buy button. And then, and then you get like something like, oh, sorry, we're out of stock, but we actually, we, we're counting that. Or, or we, we're telling, oh, sorry, this was just a test, but uh, we want to find out if people really buy that. Uh, would you be uh, probably come into our testing group, blah, 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 something like this. So th this is pretty much, mm -hmm. so we don't concentrate on all the details, what normally an engineer does, right? An engineer is always detailed and it's got to be perfect stuff. We totally got rid of that. So it's just showing the product vision, bring it to the market with, you know, social media campaigns or something like this and try to find, are people actually buying this product? So it's almost like the idea that you talk about actually on your website, which is that there is no shortage of great ideas. It's just the ability to get them into the market and actually almost test them in the real world Yeah. environment, right? Like see Absolutely. what sticks. You know, but when we started, you know, uh, as an innovation agency, we, we thought, okay, people, you know, they probably lack creativity and ideas. And so we, we developed, you know, prototypes and, and, and then we, we called some very famous companies and showed them our prototypes. And it was always the same story that, you know, as soon as we were, you know, in the headquarters and, and we showed them our fancy prototypes, they said, wow, this is crazy. But... <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah, you know, we really love your prototype, but we have at the moment we have a different problem. Could you probably also help us with that? So we stop that. We, we don't build prototypes anymore, just because we think we have a good, great idea. Actually, ideas are you know ideas without execution are completely <laughs> you know bullshit. And then, if you if you look at the bigger corporates, they have like endless ideas. But what they're really lacking is this German word for that. We call it Umsetzungshemmung. You, you can't translate it. It means the idea is there and you really want to do it, but you somehow can't manage to, you know, get it to the market. So who, who is the roadblocker in organizations do you find that you've worked with? Like, is there a specific function or a person in the organization that's usually the naysayer? No, it, the crazy thing is, you know, If you want to start a project in innovation, everybody is like, wow, I love that. We really should do that. There are not these naysayers you always hear about, right? I, I really never experienced someone telling me, no, I don't believe in it. It's subconscious fear. And the, and the problem that very few decision makers are the ones, you know, if they say, okay, no, we go all in. Now we're going to spend these 10 millions. They and their names are, you know, on the battlefield, right? And, and nobody wants to do that. So we have to reduce the, the, the hurdles and make them smaller because, you know, nobody wants to burn like 100 million or something just to find out, okay, this didn't work and who, who did it in our company? Oh yeah, this was Chris. Okay, Chris is the idiot. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I probably should <laughs> probably get rid of him, right? You know, it, that's basically mm -hmm. it. So it's subconscious fear even for very cool C-level decision makers. You know, it's subconscious fear. And the, the other part is that most of the innovations that we develop in Germany, <laughs> they are totally technology-driven and nobody understands that shit. It's too, too, too complex, too, mm. you know, not understandable for no, normal people and stuff. And also not understandable for C-level decision makers. That's, you know, that's the next problem, right? Right, right. And so you are... Um 
obviously you're in Germany right now for anyone that doesn't know, obviously, and your company is based in Germany. So how do you see the innovation process and the willingness to take risk in innovation differ in Germany versus other parts of the world? Oh, good question. L- let me answer that way. You know, when the multi-crisis started, 90% of all of our customers that already booked the project told us, hey, Lars, we need to put these projects on ice and uh, so we can, you know, if, if we know how things are progressing out there, then we can proceed. 100% of these never came back. <laughs> mm. And in Germany, Germany is very fear-driven and actually it's, we were out there and the energy prices were rising and everything. We had a multi-crisis in Germany and innovation is simply not out there anymore in Germany. It's, it's, complete, it's completely broken, completely broken, you know. And if, if you tell someone like, oh, we need, a, we need to invest like 100 million, you know, for bringing out these new car, blah, 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 whatever, or this new mobility service, um, you simply can't do this project anymore in Germany, except for having a different approach. If you, if you can make sure up front that the money invested will be, you know, on the right path, then it works. Mm. And so, so we changed it, our method drastically. And we also changed that we were completely international. You know, back in the days we, we did like German content because it is actually much, much more funnier in German. <laughs> 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 and and it, it was already working, but, but now, now we switched to, you know, to English as our main language and, um, and we've been going full international. And it's, it's crazy because, you know, in, in the beginning I thought, you know, you can't do that. You can't sit in Germany and work for like international companies. But actually 99% of our projects are fully remote and it works very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you find that Germany, I mean, Germany has been, you know, ha- has had this label of being very globally competitive but there is a, a sort of a running conversation that a lot of the markets that used to be the most competitive in the world are being superseded. Do you feel like the innovative thinking is there, but the structure is not enabling it? Or what's changing the innovation landscape in Germany? No, the structure is not the problem. It's that we are too well off. We are too too saturated. We, are having, we had way too much success um, the last 30 to 40 years. We thought nobody, you know, um, out there is so intelligent as we call Germans. And uh, yeah, it's it's really a big problem, right? You know, and actually, you know, from my perspective, when it comes to innovation, I think we're not even more in the top 10 anymore because of this typical, you know, German fear. And you, there's even the word German angst. It's crazy. I mean, like... Back in the days, we had that German engineering and we, we are the quality leader in a luxury car, you know, whatever. And now we are just uh, at that single point of German angst. I, 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 you know, I strongly believe we need to change. But um, it's not German to speak up, to be proud, to progress things, you know, to take risks. That, that's not typical German. We are very good in improving stuff like, mm. you know that new model of that car and it's even, you know, a little bit faster, a little bit more horsepower and, and stuff. And I really love that, you know, I'm by myself, I, I'm driving Porsches for like 30 years now and every year they, they're doing a car, the car a little bit better and, and you think that it's not possible anymore, but that's actually not innovation, right? If, if you take a look at the 911, the, the basic form of that is like 50 years old or something. I mean, like, where, where, is, where is the innovation, right? And just because, because you put some electric motors in there, that's still no innovation. It's, it's just, you know, 
improvement of some sort of, right? So actually Germans are very, very bad at innovating stuff. And this is, has to do with the whole culture that we have in our country. Right. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, and that's what you're talking about is like that the mindset or the, the angst about taking risks. So how much of your work then, like when you go and consult with companies and with some of these leaders that are trying to change the company to be more innovative, how much of what you do is about changing mindsets and getting people to think differently versus doing differently? That's a very good question. And the answer is zero. Hmm. And it, yeah, <laughs> I can explain it to you. Because, you know, back in the days, I was always, I always tried to, you know, do discussions and, you know, try to get people on board and, and everything. We, we, even, we even had a very famous German psychologist in our team, right? So that we, we tried to figure out how can we overcome it. But actually, if you, if you start complaining about something or discussing about something that you should do more innovation or blah, 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 I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I simply don't do it because it, it, it doesn't work. It simply doesn't work. So right now, we just turn it all around. If, if you really want to innovate, and if you can guarantee to us that the, the product we are developing is, is uh, allowed to go to market by the end of the week for the testing purpose, then we can work together. Otherwise, we're not going to work together. That's it. So that's actually, you know, <laughs> they come to us. And, and it's crazy, but that's what I meant by, you know, the personal brand stuff and everything. Because people always ask me, you know, you know what do you think about this, this, this product? And I would say, hey, for, don't ask me ask the market because there is no such thing as an innovation expert or it's bullshit <laughs> you know i really no i really mean it there's only one answer and it's coming from the market and and there was and i very often i was wrong like like back in the days we developed something and i thought oh but this product you know or this we, we, we always just not build the product but also the campaigns for that right and then we have campaigns and I said, uh, do we really have to go with that campaign out there? I really don't like it. And, and our idea is like, we don't build one campaign, we build like 50 campaigns, right? And I hated these campaigns and said, oh my God. And then, then we were going online and exactly this campaign was thriving and, you know, get clicks and, 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 and everything. I said, wow, what's going on here? I was completely wrong. And I had it a few times. Also with startups, you know, startups reaching out to us and, and telling us about this product idea. And I told them, nah, I don't believe in that. And then, but my team said, no, we're going to do that. I said, okay, yeah, I don't know. And, you know, Six months later, they had like 10 million sold units or something. I said, okay, you know, I work in innovation, but I would n never state that I am the innovation expert because that's, <laughs> if, if someone says run, you know, right? <laughs> no, I really mean it. There's just, just one expert out there and that's the market. The market answer is the only thing that you can really rely on. And even if you do like market research or something, you know, there's these, these thing called consumer citizen gap. If you hold a microphone, you know, in the face and ask, how do you like that product? Everybody tells you, yeah, I would, I would buy it. I, I would probably buy it. Yeah, but but the, 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 the real situation is as soon as it is at the market, nobody is really going to buy it. And it, mm. this hurts, you know, it, and that's, I really mean it. If, if you're an engineer, put in all your heart and soul and you develop products and you bring it to the market because, you know, the market research was telling you that and the, you know, the super cool McKinsey concept was proving that, but then the product's failing. It hurts. 
it's it, it's it's you know it's not funny. It's you know I had people on my team they were actually crying because they said, "Man, you put so much heart and soul in there, and you know, mm. you know what is this? Why why are people not buying that? You know, and 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 then it was killed. And so so that's awesome. That's the main reason why we had to switch the, the method out there because you know, do you really get frustrated? And that's that's what the people out there are telling me again and again that you know. They really love to develop new products and they love building new business models and stuff like this. But when they're going to market like 12 months, 24 months later, just to find out that nobody wants it, that's that's not fun. That's it's you know Yeah. Of course. And you know, the the product or you know the full experience that you're offering the market should be not reliant on one person's idea or, or resting on the shoulders of one person. Yeah. But you know, the the, the CEO idea, yeah. We, we yeah, the CEO idea, yeah, we all know that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few of them and you know of course sometimes you know if you've done like so much projects you in the beginning you know okay but this is probably not a very good idea and and <laughs> but you can't say that <laughs> yeah of course and, you know that's that's my role right and and i can mm-hmm. completely straight talk and you know even even in the general language we have some very specific words for using it and they understand right and but if we work together with uh with a interdisciplinary team and we have different perspectives on that, we can improve that idea within that week. And then that, that works, right? And then, then we bring yeah. it to a market and find out, okay, so the, the basic idea sometimes that you have on a Monday has nothing to do with that with the product that's going to market on Friday. So it's it's, it's okay, you know, it's okay. But actually, I'm, I'm totally with you, you know, the CEO ideas sometimes are, uh, yeah, <laughs> special. <laughs> I mean, what I kind of like about it though is that, the CEO is usually bogged down in so many practicalities of running a business that if they can get a spark of creativity, I actually quite like that, you know, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to launch it. (laughs) The creative thinking is nice. That's the exact reason why we said, okay, well, but we're not taking any project anymore. If it's not guaranteed that by the end of the week, the team is allowed to press the button that's going online. So, and if it's, if it's a physical product, then we allowed, you know, to put it to a shelf or, you know, whatever, drive it or test it, whatever. So, because it's always the same, right? You are so emotionally attached to what you del- what you, what you build. And mm. then it, it takes months or years until approval. And people really, you, you, the easiest way to piss off a really talented guy in your company is by, you know, not giving feedback. That's so, so easy. Mm. Right. So that, that, that's actually what I'm, you know, and that's, that's, it's easy to do content about that because everybody can relate to that because they had, they had it in their, you know, career, like they really believed in something, you know, want to bring it to market and it didn't get any feedback and then they waited for a board decisions or whatever. And the longer you wait, the more frustrated you, you, you get because you see others copying your product, whatever. And you say, but I did it. It was there. We could have yes. done it. What, what's going on with you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, today we, we also work for some very famous brands that, have um, great fear of losing reputation with failing products. So it's all about fear and you have to understand that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to go back to what you mentioned before around the cross-functional team. So the interdisciplinary team that you put together. I think that that's really powerful. So you have the, you have a designer, engineers, software developers, business model experts. Yeah, that's from our side. From from the customer side, it's more important. You know, from the customer side, we, we don't work together like with the business developers, we we really need people that actually talk to customers, right? That are our sales guys that you know <laughs> that yeah. actually have to sell that shit in the end, right? Mm-hmm. And and then and then you know normally in in, in um 
products are developed by engineers, right? <laughs> and mm -hmm. they, they never talk to marketing, never. But that, that's what we're doing. You know, we don't have any silos. We, we, we have completely mixed teams, like a maximum of five to seven people from the company side and the same from our side. Like in, and the great thing is then, you know, as soon as you know, you have these, I don't know the English word for that, but it's like uh, you have that week and that week has a, uh, yeah, it's, it's like a protective, protected room or something. You allowed oh, like a safe space. Yeah. Mm. Like, exactly, like a safe space, mm. right? And, you, and, and we know we're allowed to go in that week and we're allowed to fail because it's just a week. There's no pressure. I mean, like, if it fails, we just invented a week, we just uh, invested a week. So what's the problem, right? Mm. Mm. But if you invest like two years with like 200 <laughs> people and two millions, I uh, probably won't do that. So, but mm -hmm. the crazy thing is to, to do that, together with that, you know, that interdisciplinary team, people start cooperating on a whole another level. I can't explain it. It's crazy. But then, you know, you're getting some dynamic in that week. I've never seen that before. It's crazy. Yeah. It, it's hard to yeah. explain. So what, if you can, if you can say, what's like an exercise that you do or an activity that you do that helps people to create that kind of collaborative thinking is there like one of your favorite go-to methods yeah we we developed our own and it's called heidi and grumpy you know grumpy cat you know that right yes <laughs> do, but do you actually know heidi because i think it's a german thing no you don't know it? heidi who, is, who is uh, heidi <laughs> heidi heidi is, is a german comic is a very famous comic and it's it's a beautiful girl you know dancing over the green grass and you know everything is like wow so that's heidi <laughs> so we do a 15 minute and and we ask the participants in our uh, in a week hey so if we are succeed with our idea what what could possibly positive happen imagine you are heidi Right, mm. and everything is like great, and it's, 50, it's just 15 minutes, and people—it's easy for them to imagine that. And then comes the grumpy 15 minutes, and we say, okay, then tell us, you know, what could go wrong. And if it's if it's if it's a German team, they find a lot. <laughs> they find a lot. <laughs> and then and then and then by the end, you know, by the end of these 15 minutes, and then comes the golden rule for this week: we won't hear this shit again for the next five days. Oh, okay. That's interesting. And, and everybody in our team is fully committed that if someone starts doing the grumpy cat to say, stop. <laughs> we understood that this is not possible, but what could be possible? What could be a way? Mm. And, you know, this is the, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a magic or something, but it's, you know, because normally people always start complaining and try to find, you know, Typical Germany would always try to find, you know, where is that, where is that problem and where, you know, and, and actually by trying to find a problem, they're actually creating the problem. But in that week, we're just trying to find solutions. So that's, that's the main idea, right? And um, that's the, the mindset within. And, and we, all, we also have engineers in there. And that's crazy because some stuff might probably not be doable in that week, but might be doable on a basic level probably later on. And that, but that's enough for that week. So we don't have to clarify every detail. We just have to clarify, is that theoretical? Is that doable, dear engineer? And if he says, yeah, I don't know, probably yes, it's enough. That's enough. Probably yes is enough. So let's do it. 
So is it important to still have a, a healthy level of skepticism throughout the process or do you try to remove that? <laughs> you, you, you never have... Uh, <laughs> it's always there. It's always there. Mm-hmm. It's always there. And it's that's, you know, I think it's it's human to have that and it's normal to have that. But within that week, we really need to get rid of, rid of that for, for a single week only. Because you know it's it won't help us in the process if if someone says yeah but but what if you know the seventy uh, three year old woman with one leg um, blind uh, <laughs> is coming to the counter and try uh, forget it you know we we don't want to find these kinds of you know then you could kill, you could kill every innovation project it's it's easy it's easy to kill it but let's find out you know, what could work actually and that that's that's the main idea right. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Removing the negativity bias because so much of that comes into innovations, like the the doubt that feeds the fear that you're talking about. So, I mean, you've done a lot of innovation. You mentioned like 15 years, 20 years, 600 products. What's something that you've heard that you've really appreciated or that has really touched you from the process that you've run through with, with your clients? So not necessarily something you launched, but... So totally easy. To, I, I know it directly because I, I can say, I mean, every, always there when we really save lives. Hmm. Yeah. For instance, uh, we helped uh, BMW to develop the uh, e-call. You know, the, when, you, when you have a crash, the car yeah. automatically calls an ambulance. So we have we helped developing that. Or um, if a cruise ship is about to sink, we developed a solution where you could locate people exactly where they are and help them to find, you know, the exit and stuff like this. That's, that's you know, it's not the, the you know, we have like another 200 TV programs bullshit innovation. It, <laughs> yes. it's, it's, it's really stuff like that. And yeah, I, I, can see it, it, I can see it if, if, if the team also understands that uh, and we're actually working on something where you could save lives. You won't believe how motivated they they are they are becoming in that in that uh, yeah it's crazy of and, course and, and proud yeah. proud you know something that mm. we Germans normally normally we're never proud but by the end of such a week you're really really you're proud of yourself because you can see the results it's actually at the market and we did it in one week we never believed it and it it works all the time we had like ninety nine percent success rate and and you know. By the way, we, we even give a guarantee right now if, if something does not work. Yeah, because we have lots of discussion going on, right? We say, okay, you, you, don't, you don't pay a dime. You know, if, if, the product wow. is, <laughs> if the product is not at the market by the end of the week, you don't pay a dime. That, that's, and because we had so many, so many discussions going on, like even with the big companies, numerous discussions going on, like, yeah, but what is if this happens? What if that happens? Blah, blah, blah. And it's easy, you know, to talk a, a product idea into Nirvana. It's easy to do that, but it's hard to actually just, you know, say we're aiming for 80% and we will bring it to market by the end of the week and we will see if customers really love it. And that process just feels like it should be a part of government. It's like the, the biggest aha moment that I'm having. It's like, particularly when you're talking about saving lives or improving the systems that we have for really important things. Not to say that like a Big Mac isn't important, but like, do you do any work with with governments or with institutions that have like a significant impact on? Zero, absolutely zero, 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 zero. Because, you know, it, 
if you do that in Germany, for instance, right, you need to fill up papers that would at least take like three weeks. Right. And and then they always have to, it's it's so annoying. It's so annoying. And if there's one thing we're really not good at, it's paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You know, back in the days, we tried that a, a lot. Like, and, and at the moment, you know, the German Bundeswehr, you know what it is? You know? No. Yeah, it's our defense department. And, and they're, oh. they're, they're probably not so innovative at the moment. And they're really searching for innovative. And they were, they were reaching out to us. And I said, can, can you do it? And I said, no, <laughs> no, we're not going to work for you. Because if we would try and say, but we have millions. I said, yeah, but I'm not interested. Because if we would try to work together, we would mm. probably need like a half of year of, you know, of filling out some stupid paperwork. And, you know, that's, <laughs> you know I hate that shit. And my, my, you know, my employees hate it even more. I mean, why should we do that? Right. And then, so and I said, you could reach out. You can hire us for a single week only. You can't even hire us for two weeks. It's not possible. You can always just hire us for one week because we want to keep the motivation high for our own team. And um, they talked about, yeah, this is three three year long projects. Yeah, great. Do with someone else. You know, we're out. It it, it, it simply doesn't work. It simply yeah. doesn't work. And, and they have a failure rate of nearly 100% in the project. I know that. And it's like a good lawyer, right? You take the project where you know actually, okay, there's good chances of uh, success. Mm -hmm. And the same is going on with us. It's it's unfair, I know that. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I tried all that shit for years, right? And, and it, it, mm. most of the times it really, really hurts. And it, it sounds funny now, but it, in that specific situation, it really wasn't funny at all. And, and there were, there, you know, there, there were there were times when I, I drove home crying because I said, oh my God, what the fuck is going on here? We had that, we could, you know, why? What's going on with these? And uh, I, I asked myself, okay, we really need to change the process here because if we do it more and more for a longer time, I will probably end up, uh, you know, not being healthy anymore, right? And it wasn't yeah. just me. It was the designers, the, the coders, the storytellers. They all had the same feeling. And I said, Lars, please don't take any project anymore. It's not guaranteed that we're allowed to go to market with. It's very simple. Yeah. Well, innovators need to innovate, right? Not just talk about innovation. So Yeah. That, yeah. That we, we innovated our sense. own. I mean, like, it's easy to take a project of three years and millions. It's easy. It's easy. But, but you know, committing to a project for one week only and really being a product of market, it's not that easy. And actually, it's, it's not, we're not talking about millions. Uh, but, you know, and it's much more demanding. But what my team is telling me is really, really funny. Because everybody is asking, but isn't it exhausting? And the answer is, yes, it is exhausting. <laughs> yeah, I really mean it. It's really exhausting, right? You're sweating and you have to change, you know, your, your T-shirt by the end of the week because if you go to a presentation room, you, you stink or something, right? Because, you know, but it's so fulfilling working in this style. You, you, you are proud about it. You can see what you actually did and you get real feedback from real people out there. And, and that's actually the fun part about innovation. If you sense that, oh my God, this is getting traction. Oh my God, people love it. You know, that's the fun part. That's the fun part. And we really need to focus more on, on stuff that's really, you know, having us feel good. And then we, 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 we I, I really never understood why we do three year long projects, just, you know, go to market by the end of that project to find out, oh, nobody wants it. Okay, shit, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 
Well, I mean, and that's how you continue to get great results and get that, particularly if you're working at such an intense pace as you need to continue to be motivated by what you're doing and what you're seeing. And it's a self-fulfilling sort of prophecy. So I'm curious then, are you part of all of the innovation weeks? No, no. Sometimes, you know, um, back in the days, People told me, Lars, you need to get out of the uh, process because you are the CEO, blah, blah, blah. And we need to be scalable, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, I really did these these stupid CEO tasks, right? And it was not fun for me. <laughs> like filling out papers is not, mm-hmm. not fun and, and doing analytics and stuff like this. It, it's really, I love to build products. I, I really love it. Mm-hmm. And 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 I, I, I mean, if someone tells me an idea, I can immediately see it in front of my eyes, immediately. And with the help of some scripts and AI, I can build a product vision in record time. And even the people in my team found out, okay, sometimes we, we need Lars within because, you know, we're talking different directions and we, we're not getting aligned. And, you know, I love to develop innovation. So I decided, let me please be part of that innovation process and please get rid of all the paperwork bullshit. So I'm very often in, in innovation weeks, not always in the office. Sometimes mm. it's, it's a question of budget and stuff. And sometimes when if you have just a, a pure product development in a, in a week, I don't have to be in there, right? If, if the direction is clear and we just need to probably, you know, build a new mechanic solution for solving a problem, then I'm not needed there. The guy's great doing that, right? But actually, you know, I love that that job. <laughs> I want to be in there. And, and now the, the the next thing is talking like standing on stages. And, and actually, normally I was a more introvert guy, you know, like every engineer out there is more introvert. But by having that feeling of that mission that, you know, they really have to help other innovators out there because each one of them is telling me the same pain. You know, you, you're getting more and more comfortable of talking about stuff and standing on stages because I yeah. know it's so valuable giving someone the uh, all these insights and the understanding that you are not alone out there. Because, you know, in, in, in our beginning of the career, I always thought, okay, I'm, probably I'm, I'm, I'm stupid because we had so much failing projects. We had like 70% of our projects were failing, 70%. Yeah, that, that, that's quite a lot, right? But if you take a look at the numbers, it, the, the normal rate is like more than 90%. And then you try to optimize the new project management knowledge and, and you, you you change like new software stuff. But you're always getting the same results. And you, then by the end, it's, it's logical that you start asking yourself, probably it's me, but it's not you. I, I can tell you, it's not about you. It's that innovation is the most hardest task you can even do out there right so but we need a different approach for that and 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 that's you know that's my mission to to tell people hey you're not stupid it's it's that thing you know it's hard and 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 we're doing it wrong and and, and you know we need to not, not raise the bar and make it more complicated we need to lower the bar and make it more easy and more accessible mm. and more fun and, and therefore you know all that that post with that humor stuff and sometimes you know crazy stuff but yeah. people, people kind of love it yeah, because because the normal the normal way of doing things has led to where we actually stand, like these right. high failure rates, right? So, it, yeah, then I yeah. prefer the crazy way. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think you're doing a really important job in making the, the the innovation space more accessible 
for great ideas to get to market so that we can see what the market, how the market reacts. So you're doing an important job and your dream job. Olaz, one last question for you before I let you go and have some dinner is obviously you're a person that is constantly thinking in a quite a unique way, but what is your go-to when you're trying to really sort of push your thinking into a new space and look outside? Well, that's a good question. I, I, I don't even know where I can answer it because, you know, it's like for me, Working the normal way, like having these five thousand ideas, and and I, 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 it simply won't work. But going on a single idea all in, and uh, getting rid of all the uh, distractions, that's something that works pretty pretty good for me. And that's also the feedback that I got from other creatives out there that they say, you know, oh, but I have so many ideas. I want to do this, I want to do that, and tomorrow I can do that, and another meeting, and blah, 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 blah. But you don't feel like you're making progress. And by the end of the week, you ask, okay, what have I done this week? I can't even remember. It's crazy. I, of course, I did a lot. And even the guys that are not having a problem with procrastination did a lot, Right. But what was it? I can't remember. And if you focus all in on one single idea, oh, it's so, so much easier to work because, you know, I'm allowed to tell someone, please don't disturb me right now. <laughs> yeah, there, there are studies out there. If, if you're getting disturbed, you are, you are losing like around, something around like 21 minutes. You know, if someone, uh, 21 minutes, like imagine that, like five people disturbing you per day, which is, probably much more if, if you work in a normal office, then how, how could right. you be productive? And, and, and by the end of the day, it, it, you know, if you are not productive, most of the people are not happy. But if, if you focus, laser focus on, on one topic, it's getting so much more better in a year. Yeah. I think that's a rule that we can apply to so many things, right? It's just be laser, like take the time to be laser focused on what it is that you're trying to achieve. Um, it's definitely... Definitely something to practice. So, Lars, thank you so much. This was such good fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> Innovators, keep up. It's not you. It's the process. Yeah, it's the process. Oh, and I forgot to say Wielendank. It's the only thing I know how to say. Wielendank. Wielendank for the movement. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Lars. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review or share the show and I will see you next time. Until then, keep looking outside.